Our episodes contain graphic information that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Would you like some murder with your coffee? Welcome to Morning Murders Halloween episode. Ghosting sounds. (laughs) Click. I was hanging up because I'm ghosting someone. This is modern. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, terrifying. I thought it was the click of our listeners turning off. No. No. Uh, I'm Nicole. I'm Amanda. I'm Brenna. Three Draculas who like to sit around, drink coffee, I mean blood, and talk about true crime. Crime. True crime. True crime. Ah, ah, ah. Ah, ah, ah. crime. We're climbing. It's the climb. Okay. Oh, gosh. And today we each have a short story that is a... Halloween thing, whether it be a murder or a crime or something that Brenna's brought, possibly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I brought something. I'm excited. Something. When you guys were talking about um, each of us bringing a thing, and then you guys were kind of bringing up what you were going to talk about so that we all didn't do similar ones. Right. It was hard to find ones that, one that like wasn't what either one you already talked about with each other or like something just a little bit different. So I brought something like left of center where you guys are so left of center yeah i like that yeah i like that Mm -hmm. all right well ladies and beans are you ready for our stories Amanda. I was like, start us off. Looking at me. Amanda goes first. Uh, yeah, I'll go first because this is the biggest bummer. <laughs> On Halloween night, 1977, in Lawton, Oklahoma, George and Rose Carter put their 19-month-old daughter Nima to bed. A few hours later, they heard her cry, but they were trying the cry it out method, so they decided to wait and see if she'd self-soothe. The next morning, Rose asked George if she'd seen Nima, adding that she wasn't in her crib. George kind of laughed, thinking he had a baby Houdini on his hands. But then Rose came back frantic. Nima was nowhere to be found. They checked the window in Nima's room and the front door. Both were locked. So how did someone get in there? Investigators pointed the finger to the Carters, but they were quickly cleared of all suspicion. It was thought that someone must have gotten in the house and been hiding inside Nima's closet, waiting for the perfect time to strike. Oh my god! Oh my god! When they heard her crying in the night, was that when someone snatched her and boldly snuck out right under the parents' noses? The Carters were constantly asking themselves, what if? What if they had gone to check on her? What if they had let her sleep in their room that night? But of course, no one could ever fathom that this nightmare would happen. Right. About a month after her abduction, some kids were playing and came across an abandoned refrigerator. Oh, my God. They opened the door and out fell the body of little (gasps) Nima. They bolted out of there and didn't tell anyone. Soon after, a soldier was out for a jog and came across her and contacted police. The autopsy would later show that Nima had died of suffocation from being inside the fridge. But that story sounded a little too familiar to investigators. You see, a year prior... On April 8th, 1976, a local babysitter named Jackie Rubideau 
reportedly lured twin sisters Mary Elizabeth Carpenter and Augustine Tina Jacqueline Carpenter out of their home. The 16-year-old took the girls, who were both three and a half, to an abandoned house and locked them in an old refrigerator. Oh, my God. After being trapped for two days, Mary died from suffocation, but Tina managed to find enough air to survive until a group of children playing near the home heard her cries for help. When questioned by police, Tina pointed the finger at Rubidoux, but because of Tina's age and lack of physical evidence, Jackie wasn't charged with anything. She would continue to babysit for families in the neighborhood, one being George and Rose Carter. But Jackie never gave the Carters any reason to worry. She was quiet and polite. They would always greet her with a big hug when she came to watch Nima. Two months prior to Nima's abduction, strange things were happening at the Carter residence. Uh, First, uh, trigger warning for animal cruelty. Someone had poisoned the family dog. A few days later, their house was also vandalized. They started to think it could be someone they know, but there wasn't really enough evidence to point police in any solid direction. When questioned, Jackie Rubidoux said she was playing bingo that Halloween night. Police couldn't shake the feeling something was off with her, though. She never said anything that would incriminate her, but she also couldn't make eye contact and was constantly looking at the ground. Detective Cecil Davidson admitted that Jackie Rubidoux was the most likely suspect in Nima's death. However, despite her connection to the Carpenter's twins' abduction and Mary Carpenter's subsequent death, the district attorney never charged Rubidoux with Nima Louise Carter's death. Oh my god. Davidson acknowledged that detectives weren't able to find any conclusive physical evidence that pointed to Rubidoux or anyone else, but circumstantial evidence regarding Carter's case was later used when Rubidoux was tried for the murder of Mary Carpenter. In 1985, Jackie Rubido was convicted and sentenced to life in prison for the death of Mary. Unfortunately, justice was never served for little Nima Louise Carter. Oh. So, like, but what when the when the twins went missing, what happened with that? Like the parents, like what what happened there? That's what I'm curious about. That's what they're saying, is that at at one point, like nothing had happened. They didn't have any they just went missing, and I don't know, so kids like, are kids. Parents came home, and, and she's like, sorry, the twins are gone. Like, yeah. What was that conversation? Well, she, well, she lured them out. So, yeah. like, so even she probably wasn't what if it's babysitting like, them. Like, they could have been doing mm, anything. Right? Oh, that's a good point. Right. Like, she wasn't babysitting at that time, right. but, like, babysit them in general. That's so crazy uh, That's to me. crazy. Right. And the, and because so, that's what, yeah, it wasn't, it I was understand. just that they knew her, so yeah, they yeah, went yeah, with yeah. her. I understand. Okay. That's awful. That's awful. <laughs> Refrigerators? Oh, gosh. That is so Right, because scary. back in the day, they still had those ones that would lock. That's why oh. they don't lock anymore, and you can push them open because mm-hmm. of things like this. Because kids kids would play and just go in, in them and be like, stuck, yeah. get stuck and die all the time just by accident. So Jesus that Christ. And to crazy. die with your sister next to you. Like, your sister died next to you, and then you're just trying to, like, That's uh, what I... screaming and trying to get help. Thank right. goodness that kids, awful that kids found both children though yeah. like that's awful that it has to be kids because I know that that's like a crazy thing when you are first aware of the fact that you can be killed because as a kid you're like I'm mm-hmm. a kid everything's great like, was, yeah. whatever you know most of the time but it's like when you finally realize that's why like it is so crazy because people oh, are like yeah. kids could die in that movie it's like the mm-hmm. very beginning of that movie yeah. was so traumatizing for people when that Tim Curry version came out, like because oh they're like kids can die. Literally, yeah. That traumatized. I'm scared of clowns because of that movie. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
This is traumatizing. Tracks. Yeah. Tracks. <laughs> that tracks. That tracks. That tracks. Clowns. Clowns are scary. Yeah, clowns are the worst. This but. is not a clown story, but I'll I'll go next. Okay. Uh, not a clown story. I did that. Did that. Did that already. <laughs> did two weeks of that. Yeah. Okay. So, mine is about Lisa Ann French and the Halloween Killer. So Lisa was born on June 2nd, 1964. Her parents were Alan and Marianne. She lived in Oshkosh, Wisconsin with her mother, stepfather, and newborn baby half-brother. She was in fourth grade, and she was also a Girl Scout. On Halloween night in 1973, she was brutally murdered and sexually assaulted. She was only nine years old. She was out trick-or-treating alone and making her way to a neighborhood Halloween party. She left her home around 5.45 p.m., and her costume of choice? A hobo. A black felt hat, green parka, blue masking tape on her jeans, and dotted freckles on her cheeks. She wasn't supposed to be alone on this Halloween night. Her friend Anne Parker was supposed to be accompanying her, but Anne got in trouble, and so Lisa carried on by herself. Reports said that she did stop by a few houses, some classmates' homes, and the home of her teacher. After that, she made it to Gerald Miles Turner Jr.'s house, only half a block away from her home. Turner was no stranger to the family. He knew them and Lisa very well. Turner lived with his girlfriend, Arlene, and her child. Lisa would go over there and play with the little one and even chat with Turner. He had also at one time shared a duplex with the family. Lisa walked up to his house like she had done many times before and rang the doorbell. She said trick-or-treat when he answered and had her candy bag open. They started to talk about more candy, and he lured her into his house. Mm. Once she was inside and the door was closed, he violently sexually assaulted her and murdered her. He claimed in his confession that at one point after the assault, he tried to revive her. Then his girlfriend got home. She had gone to the party with her child, the same one that Lisa was trying to make her way to. Turner had put on a bathrobe and told her he was sick over and over again. He made trips to the bedroom to lie down in the bathroom, and he had placed Lisa's body in there. Arlene left the house again to visit her mother, not knowing that any of this had happened, and Turner took two bags and put Lisa's body in one and her clothes in the other. He then drove to Techita, Wisconsin, and left her body on McCabe Road in a farm field. He wore socks on his hands to avoid leaving fingerprints anywhere. He also wiped down Lisa's shoes and parka. Lisa's mother started to get worried when she hadn't come home after her curfew of 7 p.m., and after 10 p.m., a search party started. At the time of the murder, he had no major sexual assaults against him. He did molest a 15-year-old babysitter, but was not accused of it until after Lisa's murder. The search party searched for four days, had over 5,000 volunteers, 700 block parents and police. The National Guard and some of Lisa's fellow Girl Scouts even joined the search. A farmer named Gerald Braun returned home in his tractor on November 3, 1973 at 11.30 a.m., and he found two brown plastic bags. They were behind a barbed wire fence. It was Lisa and her Halloween costume. The autopsy revealed that she died from asphyxiation and shock from the sexual trauma. Her funeral was held on November 6, 1973. November 8th, the hunt for the killer started. There was a reward for $10,000 for her killer. Turner became a suspect early on, but it took nine months before he finally confessed. Mm. During those nine months, he was questioned and did a polygraph test that was inconclusive, and he denied doing another one. The police collected fibers from the bedspread and Lisa's clothes and found a match. He told the police that the violent sexual attack happened in the doorway, and then he took her into the bedroom to perform anal intercourse on her. At that point, he noticed she stopped breathing, and he tried to revive her until his girlfriend came home and he hid the body. 
Turner was taken into custody on August 9, 1974, and convicted on February 4, 1975. The charges were second-degree murder, enticing a child for immoral purposes, and acts of sexual perversion. He was sentenced to, wait for it, 38 years and six months. But wait, there's more. He gets paroled on October 13, 1992, for good behavior. It sparked a major conversation, though. Protests broke out, and it forced lawmakers to take a closer look at things. They created the Turner's Law, which allows criminals who have been paroled or released from their prison sentence to be detained in a mental institution if they are deemed to have a substantial probability of committing another crime. Turner gets sent back to prison on November 23, 1993. It was determined that they miscalculated his mandatory parole release for good behavior. Yeah. January 29, 1998, after a four-day trial, he is ruled not a violent sexual predator. So he could not be held for treatment like that law that he's named after would have made him do. He could begin his mandatory second parole that year. Then, in July 1998, despite Turner screaming and waving a butcher knife at a co-worker, a judge ruled against Turner getting his parole revoked. He was, at the same time, ruled to be a dangerous individual by a psychiatrist. What the hell, judge? Judge was like, fine. Later, Turner filed a complaint against a company that wouldn't hire him because of his criminal record. After some back and forth, a bill was passed which... a ball, a ball. A bill was passed which repealed the original law that prohibited job discrimination based on a felon's criminal record. So now companies could refuse to hire convicted felons, which I personally think is super messed up because a convicted felon could be something as simple as marijuana possession in some states, or wrongly convicted folks who were felt who felt forced to take a deal even though they were innocent. Anyways, I digress. So turn. So this guy has two has now because of his existence and his awful behavior, two. New things have been like laws and bills have been brought into yes. So one state one actually should have kept him in an institution, but right. he then the the law he was named after. They're like, no, you're fine. Right. And then and the other one, he screwed over other convicted felons who probably have become better people and could do good jobs, but now they can't get work because of him. Busy guy. Busy guy, I know. So Turner violated his parole in 2003 and is put back in prison for an additional 15 years. They found a lot of pornographic material in his possession, which broke his parole. He seemed to show remorse in an undated letter he wrote to Lisa. It said, I doubt that I could ever fully realize the terror you experienced at my hands. I can still see you standing in the doorway with that felt hat beaming at having recognized me. Then I see the delight in your eyes turn to fear as I close the door behind you. The rest of my life, I will have to live with what I did to you. On that night, I became a monster. I do swear to you on the forfeiture of my life, I will never harm another child. He also said, though, that he received a harsher punishment because it was Halloween. He said, and I quote, If it had happened on some other day like Valentine's Day, nobody would have gave a damn. Uh-huh. My thing is, like, like... He did. He did all the things that kind of make it so that you can't be like you can't like say that you temporary insanity or that kind of stuff. Because he did all the things that you do when you're of clear minds, mm-hmm. like wear socks on your hands mm-hmm. and things like that. Those mm-hmm. are those like self um, yeah, the premeditation and the self self preserving stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. those are the things that when you don't do those things, when you're just like I killed somebody, I did that. There you uh-huh. go. Then you could be like, oh. Ooh, temporary insanity, like things happened here, but he clearly like knew this girl. Yeah, I don't know how long he thought about this girl or doing this. Yeah, 
um, was waiting for his opportunity and then tried to clean it up. Yeah. Or, like, not get caught. So, boy, you did it. Like, you you, 100% did it. You damn did it. Yeah. Yeah. Should have been back in jail. Yep. So... In true aggravating fashion, on February 1st, 2018, Turner was scheduled to be released from his extended prison sentence without any parole restrictions. Lisa's mom jumped into action yeah. and petition and a petition was started. Over 34,000 signatures were on it. On January 26, 2018, before this mandatory release took place, there was a legal petition filed to keep Turner detained. He was then scheduled to have a hearing on April 6, 2018, to determine if Turner was, in fact, a violent sex offender and if he could be held at a treatment center permanently. The hearing got postponed and then postponed, and before they knew it, COVID happened. He was supposed to have his status tried again on October 29th, 2020, two days before the 47th anniversary of Lisa French's murder. I did read that the states believed he is a sexually violent person and should remain locked up. The release was refused by a judge and the next court date was supposed to be March 29th, 2022. The most recent article I read, though, which was from October 5th, is that he is still in prison and there is no timeline of his release. It's going to be the 49th anniversary this year. And that's the story of Lisa French and the Halloween killer. Damn, Lisa. Damn. She's nine years old. She's a little kid. Sad. Yeah. Um, did you guys trick or treat alone? I don't I did not. I always had my my family with me. Um I sometimes would go with my friend. Like a group of kids, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I grew up in like suburbia. Mm -hmm. And I say that and John Wayne Gacy was next door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know. No, I did. I mean, I was outside alone a lot as a child. Did a lot of walking around the neighborhoods alone. My walking yeah. to my friends' houses alone. Spent yeah. most of my nights and days at the parks alone. Well, not alone, but with you know, people my age, not yeah. like adults. And the frustrating and I mean, thing is, like, you should absolutely have been able to do that, no matter what. It right. just yeah. sucks when there's one person that comes along and takes the opportunity that doesn't have good intentions. Right? Oh yeah. Right. But you should absolutely, like, she should have absolutely have been able to just walk around and grab her candy. Yeah. And be sent home. Yeah. It's it's just it's really sad and it's really scary and crazy because like yeah I too ran around with my friends a lot and we did things we shouldn't have done and there was an older man that did kind of infiltrate our group and like was like the cool guy and if it wasn't for my friend's mom something really terrible would have happened to a few of us I bet yeah so it's really scary and it's just really sad that there was no one there for Lisa when she needed somebody and she was just all by herself and with someone that she trusted and knew right it's really well, sad it's kind of a similar thing with Amanda's story too mm-hmm. like it was this babysitter we mm-hmm. allegedly which we all believe did it you know like mm-hmm. who is someone that these children trust like mm-hmm. leave kids alone leave kids kids alone, alone. Because if you don't, you get into my stories. <laughs> so, oh, here we go. <laughs> I remembered a long time ago hearing about a riot that happened on Halloween. But when I looked it up, I didn't realize I was going to have so many to choose from. <laughs> so I'm just going to make a short list of all the ones I could find. <laughs> These are all riots that happened on Halloween. Okay. Let's start a riot. riot. And it's all riot. teenagers. So Teens. kids fighting back. Um, okay. October 31st, 1945, Toronto. A massive crowd of teenagers were partying on the beach when uh, police officers arrived to break it up. So this was right after World War II. So it was a bunch of kids celebrating the fact that the world wasn't expo- like wasn't you know crazy anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so this resulted in a gigantic riot. The riot didn't stay on the beaches, mind you, and it it ended up growing. 
and moving to the police station. <laughs> Two of the teens got arrested and someone yelled, let's go free them. And the mob of angry <laughs> teens descended on the police station, gathering more teens in the process. All in all, there were over 7,000 angry teenagers <laughs> crowding oh the building. God. So as the crowd uh, p- approached the police station, police and firemen turned fire hoses upon them. This did prevent them from reaching the station, yet the teenagers retaliated by showering the police and firemen with debris. A police captain said, I never saw so many rocks and pieces of concrete fly through the air at one time. <gasps> Every available policeman from across the city rushed to the scene. Police then began clubbing and, ma- and making arrests. <gasps> Spectators complained that they were beaten for no reason, wrote the Toronto Star. The crowd dispersed. The riot was over. <sighs> October 31st, 1888, the students of Dickinson College in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, tore down the old picket fence along the north side of the Dickinson campus as acting college president Dr. Charles Francis Himes had suggested that morning and piled up the wood in order to make a bonfire. So the students claimed that the Carlisle chief of police Zimmerman witnessed their efforts and told them to go ahead like it was fine. It was Mm. supposed to be okay. But Zimmerman would later deny this allegation because around 11 o'clock, the students set the pile ablaze. So they had said that they were going to tear this fence down. Let's make a bonfire. Halloween night. Let's have like a big fun time for everybody all hanging out. Mm -hmm. So when the fire alarms in town went off because the fire was huge, uh, firemen and police tried to stop the blaze, but the students wouldn't let them through because it was their party. Like the fire wasn't out of control. Uh It just was very large. And there was a bunch of teenagers around. So three quarters of an hour into the bon- after the bonfire began, the firemen finally put it out after driving the students into a campus building. The Carlisle newspapers blamed the students for obstructing the firemen's duty to put out any open fire as specified by the borough's ordinance. The students claimed that they did not know the ordinance, nor was it valid because there had been plenty of previous bonfires and the fire department had not extinguished. Hmm. 1974 and 1975, Greenville, North Carolina. East Carolina University had two major riots. <gasps> and they even say the second major riot of East Carolina University. <laughs> so proud. So, <laughs> so for the second one, around 11 p.m., the police arrived to disperse the crowd of an estimated 400 or more Halloween goers. Mm. Multiple records show that around 11.30 p.m., the police gave the crowd five minutes to disperse. So it was like downtown, like college, like row, like all the bars, everything was kind of open. Everyone's kind of everywhere. Um... When I got downtown, the crowds had begun to throw bottles and bricks. We gave them the order to disperse or they would be arrested in five minutes, said Glenn Cannon, who was the Greenville City Police Chief at the time. Many witnesses, however, stated that they never heard the order over the din of the crowd in clubs on 4th and 5th Street and were entirely unaware an order was even given. Smoke and tear gas were used between 11.45 and midnight in an effort to break up the crowd. So mind you, it was 45 minutes after they said they were starting. So it's like, you guys... If anyone's ever been in a place with a lot of people, it doesn't take way longer than 45 minutes for everyone to go away. Like, it takes a long time for, like, bars to close, people to leave, especially if there's no, like, major, like, thing happening. Like, it Uh just takes people a minute, especially if they've been drinking. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, they, the, at multiple, it was 11.30 was when they were like, all right, guys, time to go. And then 11, 15 minutes later, they were like, well, tear gas. Um, (laughs) 
Reports of some witnesses said that tear gas and fog were sprayed inside of the nightclubs, forcing occupants into the streets. Mm. 27 people were arrested and the crowd dispersed. Over the next hour, a group of about 300 people gathered at Fifth and Reed, possibly to protest the arrest from earlier in the night, though it's unclear. (laughs) The group began breaking store business windows and stealing merchandise from the stores, the damage later totaling about $3,700. 29 additional people were arrested for inciting a riot and one for damage to personal property. Bringing the night's total arrest count to 57 people, 29 of those arrested during the night were ECU students. Hmm. Eugene, Oregon. (laughs) Halloween, 1998. The university area has seen 11 riots and an additional near riot since 1988, four of which have occurred on Halloween night. Although there hasn't been a full-blown riot since 2002, um, the 2018's crowds at Delta Signifies annual blood dance came dangerously close to their Halloween party. Um, Minutes after the event began, the house was filled to capacity and organizers began to turn students away. Students who paid for tickets to the event became angered when they couldn't get in, and some tried to break the fence to get into the house. Oh, my God. Eugene police broke up the throng of angry ticket holders and shut down the event after about 15 minutes, handing out a total of 189 citations to intoxicated, loud, and destructive attendees. The blood dance really wasn't as bad as it seemed, said Lieutenant Herber, owner of the Department of Public Safety. There were just too many people. So the blood dance wasn't the problem. No, no. That's the fact there were so many people around. So Robert Morrow, a psychology professor at the university, said such riotous behavior might be explained by a concept called Dane-dividuation. Dane-dividuation is a phenomenon which people engage in seemingly impulsive, deviant, and sometimes violent acts and situations in which they believe they cannot be personally identified. Ah. Like everything on the internet. January Ah, 6th. January 6th. Um, So, now that they are dane-dividuated, what you have is relaxed social controls and social norms, said Morrow. This isn't necessarily bad. It doesn't mean you'll immediately go off and do nasty things. You need some sort of a cue. The history of Halloween is a cue in itself, he said. Mm. Halloween mischief has a history spanning several decades and generations. College students don't just theorize uh, about wild goings-on. They expect them, and so do police. Mm -hmm. If enforcement shows up already prepared for violent behavior, violence is expected, said Morrow. Police presence on its own, if mishandled, can make it worse. Mm -hmm. Eugene psychologist Bill McCormick McConaughey uh, McConaughey, suspected another large factor playing a part in Halloween rioting is substance abuse. Mm. When people get drunk and lose their inhibitions, they look for excuses to release their emotions, said McConaughey. Students may have underlying unresolved issues like higher tuition costs or stressful classes. A study at Yale University also revealed that young people, especially college students, were easily led by feared or respected authorities and were extremely likely to follow such leaders even if, if, if it conflicted with the personal conscience. Even when they know they're harming others, it's a good chance they'll go along with it anyway, said McConaughey. Mm. Moro said the biggest danger on Halloween night is the power of tradition. You have this generational transmission of norms, and you learn that riots are just one of those things that happen on Halloween, said Moro. You can transmit these sorts of norms from generation to generation, and it can take a long time for them to die out. Mm. And those are just a collection of some riots that happened. (laughs) Some riots that happened on Halloween. Halloween is a night of frolic where kids dress up in costumes and run amok. Amok. Amok, amok, amok. Oh, right. Every year we can dress like a total slut, and no one can tell. I'm (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, it's the one so, night of the year where the spirits return to Earth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and other quotes about Halloween. Um, Halloween. <laughs> all the Halloween movie quotes. Well, Mean Girls here. wasn't really a Halloween movie, but hey, man, it's all the know, holidays. It could be, it could be argued. Mm-hmm. Actually, we they should even have Christmas. They, yeah, they, you know, it's a let's watch movie. Mean Girls. It's a spooky. Movie. It is. It's there, officially Halloween. It movie. does happen. It, it's one of those, you know, like Gremlins. Is a Christmas movie mm-hmm. because it happens on Christmas. Mm-hmm. Mean Girls has Halloween and, and Christmas. Christmas. It's a holiday movie. Yeah. It, is. it is. I love it. <laughs> I'm taking that. We're doing that tradition now. Yeah. <laughs> Every holiday that is featured in Mean Girls, you have to watch it on that holiday. On that holiday. Yeah. And October third. And or October third. If not, there will be a riot. There yeah. will be a riot <laughs> there because be a riot. teenagers <laughs> don't fuck around. Teenagers really do. don't. They don't fuck around. No, I had a lot of anger as a teenager. I could see myself being like, I mean, if we're all doing it. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, my gosh. Especially, like, because everything is probably, like, controlled chaos, and then cops come there, and it becomes uncontrolled chaos, Uh right? Like, because then the stakes get way higher, and people get cagey and feel like they have to do something. Yeah. Have you guys ever been in a party that was shut down by the cops? Yes. Yeah. Um, Were you ever... Part of that, or were you just like cops are here, gotta go? Pretty much that. As cops, you gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Or like I would pick up the vibe. I'm like, it's time to go. <laughs> it's time to, to leave now. I have two stories. One of them was I was just at a college party, and it was like at the very end of the age of which we would be doing college parties. It was before I started hanging out with theater people more. Mm. And I'm so they uh, the we were. 21 because you know old we were older college kids and so uh there was this huge house party happening and there's so many people there and then all of a sudden like we're kind of standing in the backyard and just like kids start like a wave children are running at us and hopping the wall behind us and we're just standing there and then you just see like four cops walking in like i go home go home go home and they look at us they're like are you guys 21? We're like, yeah. They're like, the, get out of here. <laughs> get out of here. What do you guys do with all these kids? Get out of here. Get out of here. And then the other one was a fraternity party where these two girls got into a fight and were screaming. <sighs> and the cops were being called. Um, all the Rush the rush kid dudes had to dress as ninjas. Um, and... The two girls that were fighting, I knew them. Like, I had just met them. And I was happened to, like, somebody was like, these two girls are fighting. And I went outside. And the one girl was literally, had the other girl by the back of her head and was smashing her face against the dashboard on her car. Oh, my God. Um, and then I pulled the girl out of the car because she was smashing her face. It was really fucked up. So I pulled the one girl that was smashing, like, out from the driver's side into the street. And she's just laying in the street screaming, I'm going to fucking kill you. And you can just hear the neighbors going, I'm calling the cops now. Our, I'm, the cops are being called. <laughs> like, Thank you. And so I was like, I was like, you got to shut up. <laughs> I was like, you should you just get us in trouble. And I got her inside right when the cops came. And the cops came to the door. And everyone was like, we, like a bunch of us hit upstairs. And this girl goes, the cop, this girl comes in. We're all being super quiet, by the way. And there's like a loud ass, we could hear the music and everything downstairs. And we're all up in this room. And this girl opens the door. She goes, the cops are here. And then she closes the door and leaves, comes back and goes, did you hear me? We're like, do we have to leave? She's like, no, but you have to be quiet. Mind you, she's yelling over the party downstairs. And we're just like, okay, yeah, we'll be real quiet up here. You just don't have to worry about us. She's like, yeah, because the cops are here. She (laughs) She was doing her job. She 
Poor girl. She, I, she had probably a lot more to deal with than I thought. Oh, I did. Jiminy. But that was it. Parties and riots and things. College oh, kids mine. Are fighting each other? In this economy? In this economy? <laughs> In this economy? Girl. Hey, girl. Not today. Not today. No, today is about pumpkins and candy mm-hmm. and spooky things. And watching all the cryptids. things. Cryptids. Cryptids. Mm. Yes. I still need to see the last Halloween movie that came out. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, oh yeah. Halloween isn't. ends. It's it supposed ends. to be the last one. Yeah. I'm Forever? trying I'm tra- oh, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to avoid all this all the spoilers, but I have seen some because I follow Jamie Lee Curtis on, on the Instagram. In life. Because she's so cool. I follow her around to take pictures. <laughs> uh, that's not stalking, right? <laughs> uh, there's been some really cool stuff that she's posted, but I'm trying not to like get any spoilers. Yeah. But it makes me think, because, you know, last year, I co- that's what I covered was the right. Halloween stories. So yeah. now it's the last one has happened, and I haven't watched it yet. Um, speaking of ends, ends, we are at the end of our second season. We are. We are. This is it. We're here. Two seasons in. Wow. We did Damn. it. Guys. Guys, beans. Yeah, we started this during pandemic when we all had, like, the time and the, like, wherewithal <laughs> to be able to meet with each other all the time and schedules mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Yeah. So it's been crazy how it, like... I'm grateful that we can keep this going because yeah. it's you know up to us to do that, right? So, and and you beans encouragement from the beans you the guys rock so much. Yeah, but um, but yeah, it's been cool keeping it all together even as we've gotten more busy. Yeah, and I'm excited to see what we're we have a whole like all this fun stuff that we're trying to decide to do for like season <laughs> three. There's almost like too many things that we want to do. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Some of it we might have to wait for season four, yeah. but that's okay. It's all just gonna keep going. Yes. So we'll have special guests. Yes. We're going to like, you know, do more work on like cryptids and finding cases that like maybe we don't know m- very much about. And all yes. That kind of stuff we have too. a list of from suggestions from you guys that we haven't gotten to yet. So we're going to make make sure we get through those also. Yeah. Among other stories. Keep so. sending us those. Yes. Keep sending us stories. It's kind of cool also doing ones that we've never heard of. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's been a few that uh, I've gotten from, like, our Bean John that I've never heard of. So I've got some of those to write and mm-hmm. some other beans, too. It's always nice to, to – nice. Nice isn't the right word. But it's it's a great thing that we're able to come together and talk about this stuff when you can't really talk about it with everybody. Mm-hmm. So it's nice that we've got groups where we can just talk about things mm-hmm. no matter what's going on. Because there's a lot of, you know, as horrible as these stories are, there are things we can learn from them. And we just hope that as time progresses, things do get better. Um, there's still a lot of things need to change in the system, but I know that there are people out there who are actively trying to change that, and so I fully support all of that. The Innocence Project, all kinds of folks. Speaking of uh, people that you love that are that educate you on certain things, did you just say that there was a master class? Oh, my you? God. Yeah. Guys. I was, yeah, I was like, before we, Guys. Before we like... I received an email. Wind down, yeah. Okay. Because I do masterclass. If anyone knows what masterclass is, it's like this online thing that you buy, you like pay for it for the year or whatever. And it's like all these classes from like tons of different people, professionals in different, different walks of life, cooking, acting, writing, cinematography, language, instruments, all kinds of things. And one of the newest <laughs> masterclasses is my boy. <laughs> Oh my God! John Douglas is on masterclass, guys. Johnny Doug, Johnny Doug, teaching <laughs> profiling criminal minds. Oh my gosh! I'm just so excited. I'm so excited. The Mind Hunter, the Mind Hunter is on masterclass, and you best believe, I'm taking the class. <laughs> sit vicariously in the room because I'm poor. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Let's just watch it together. Uh, when I got the email, we, we used this uh, program called Merkel Polo to talk to each other and I poloed the girls and I was like, guys, 
Yeah, she nerded out. Oh, I did. Mm-hmm. I really did. The instant, the second I got the email, I followed the girls. Like, I was just, yeah. John Douglas is on Masterclass, guys. Chaboy. I'm just so excited to watch that, to watch and just absorb all of that knowledge. I can't wait to transfer uh, that knowledge to season three. Season three. Yes, beans, beans. We will be back. We'll be back for season three. Please keep an eye out on our social media. Reach out to us, and we will keep you updated with things as they progress and when season three finally does launch. So please keep an eye out for that. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, please be safe out there in your Halloween adventures. Thank you so much for joining us on this morning for Halloween spooky season. Make sure you've added some fun, I don't know, pumpkin or something in your coffee today, uh, making it a little put spookier. Up. Freaking just, pumpkin in there. Just throw a, a bunch of candy pumpkin. corn in it. A bunch of candy corn, or you just could make like a little pixie stick. Yeah, what make a little marshmallow disgusting? ghost. A little marshmallow ghost with like oh, fake eyes. Throw I mean, that in there. Actually adorable. It's <laughs> <laughs> a little pumpkin ghost for your coffee or hot cocoa. Because I feel like that'd be a bit better with hot cocoa. Mm, but yes, a marshmallow. Check your candies. Um, because we talked about that last season. So check your candies. Make sure everything is safe. Have a wonderful time. Dress up. Don't dress up. Watch scary movies. Don't watch scary movies. Whatever you want to do to celebrate this day, do it. Mm-hmm. Happy Halloween from all of us here at Morning Murders. Don't forget we have a merch store. Ooh, merch store. <laughs> <laughs> Spooky, Yay! scary merchandise and sweaters on your back. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Morning Murder. You can always check out our resources and mental health links in our show notes. If you enjoyed listening to our highly caffeinated conversation, please leave us a five-star rating and check us out on Instagram at Morning Murders. That's at M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G-M-U-R-D-E-R-S. If you have any stories you'd like to hear discussed around the breakfast nook, we would love to hear about it. Email us at morningmurders at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. I like it. I like it, Brenna. Yeah. Brenna. 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 What happened to the other three? I ate them. You ate them. Bear. Why? I birthed them from you my rib. Birthed them. Oh no! My rib hole. A whole bear? Was oh. it a panda bear like Amanda? Amanda oh, panda bear. Panda. 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 was made from my rib. Panda. But you, but you know who would need your Amanda rib is Nicole. Nicole. Nicole.
Doesn't I'm just a scamp. Yeah, I'm just a scamp. Everyone just loves you, scamp. Everybody loves you, scamp. All right, ready? Yeah. Exfixi... Exfixi... The autopsy revealed that she died from asphyxiation. In 1977 in Lawton, Ohio. <coughs> JK's starting over. Hold on. The new okay, beep beep is on. just mugs clinking. Just... <laughs> Ooh. Put this here. Put this here. Put these on my face. Hold on. I wasn't ready. You know, you asked me a bunch of times if I was ready. <laughs> I kept saying, ready. yeah, let's do this. You yeah. Ready. And you know what? The truth was, I fucking was not. <laughs> she was <All> spiritually right. <laughs> ready. <laughs> ghost. Okay. Oh, ghost spirits. Ghost spirits. Okay. Boo-boo. Boo-boo. Instead of a beep beep, it's a boo. 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 Wait. Boo-marino. <laughs> Ghost. Okay, I think I'm better. Are you ready now? <clears throat> Prepared. Okay. 